Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout-out to Book Women, a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Métis librarians representing nations from across the homeland aim to inspire Indigenous peoples to share their stories in whatever form they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums, such as podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more right now at bookwomenpodcast.ca. All right, so a few weeks ago, we were talking about the hottest that we've ever experienced because Nick had traveled to Morocco and it was unbearably hot for yes. his tender, delicate Canadian skins. Indeed. <laughs> and we were like, wow, you know, it was pretty hot in Kelowna that one time. And uh, we went to Turkey and it was really hot in Turkey. Way hotter in Edmonton right now. Oh, I, everything is sweaty. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you're probably aware that there's a, a massive heat wave sweeping through the Pacific Northwest. And uh, that includes part of the prairies where we live in Edmonton, where we are reaching record breaking temperatures daily. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the moment. I, I know other parts of the world get hotter. There are places that top 40 degrees Celsius that get into... Push, push to 50 Push to 50 yeah. sometimes, and that's super hot. But for here, anything above 30 is terribly hot. Yeah, and... We are not used to it. No, and we're... I mean, we're a winter city. Like, it, it is winter many months out of the year here. We reach fairly extreme colds, and we're not only acclimatized to that kind of temperature shift, but we're also built, like literally the infrastructure of the city is designed around keeping us warm in the cold, not really keeping us cold in yeah, the warm. We have way more cold in our year than we have hot. Yeah. So like our we are house- better prepared for cold. So our house doesn't have like central air and we're sweltering. Also, also we're not exactly wealthy and can't afford to just no. have it installed. Uh, I know you probably listening right now think, well, I mean, you're pulling down sweet podcast money. <laughs> Surely you're living in some swanky digs out on the edge of Edmonton with your, your palatial grounds and your swimming pool. That is a gross misconception. Horribly untrue. Yeah. I wish. I wish we were pulling in sweet pod money. Now, uh, the good news is by the time this episode drops, things should have started to cool down. But while we're recording... Oh boy! Ugh. If one or both of us just pass out in the middle of this, <laughs> if you hear a like a distant thump, that is the situation. We are we are sequestered in the basement, uh, trying to keep as cool as possible. Yes, our house is shuttered and dark. We're trying to keep out the extreme heat. Yeah. Now that unfortunately doesn't really have anything to do with our episode this week, but no, that's but just it's relevant to our lives right now. <laughs> kind of an update on where we're at, and if we're a little scatterbrained this week, it's because we're very distracted by the incredible heat in our house. So, uh, but uh, a quick recap of chapter thirteen of our book, in which Nick and Johnny have a sit down with a group of occultists 
who are curious about what's up. But of course, Johnny doesn't have time to explain anything to anybody and thinks that she's responsible for all of saving the world all by herself. Because Johnny. So bridges are burned and Nick and Johnny make their excuses and uh, head off to the library, which is where we find ourselves as we go into chapter 14 of Beneath the Rising by Premi Muhammad. Make their excuses is a super polite way of putting it. So Nick is a little surprised as they arrive at the library that it's not out of the way. Like he's thinking Indiana Jones or the mummy. He's thinking of some ruins out in the desert sands that they're yeah. going to have to like take a camel out to. <laughs> no, it's it's in the middle of like an office park. <laughs> yeah, it's in the city. And it's surrounded by bustling activity. It's uh, It's still like... An ancient edifice. Oh, yeah. Quite large, very imposing, but not exactly what he had in mind. That speaks a lot to Nick's untraveled Canadianism. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, sure what to call it. Canada, by comparison to a lot of other countries, isn't very old. No, it's quite we, young. We don't have ancient stone ruins about. That's not really how, how things are around here. Yeah, the... Uh, the indigenous populations in this country are quite old and, and have ancient cultures, but they were largely migratory. Yeah. They didn't set down a lot of permanent structures. So there aren't ancient castles or or dilapidated ruins exactly. or, or mysterious labyrinths really to be found. That's that's not something we have over here. Not as such. Um, a little sidebar, when we went to Rome... On our honeymoon, mm -hmm. uh, it was it was sort of mind blowing to me that the highway drove past the Colosseum, like the world famous, very ancient Colosseum, and across the highway from the Colosseum is like the Holiday Inn. Yeah. yeah, there was like a bunch of apartment buildings, <laughs> right? And everyone's like, "Oh yes, ho hum, the ruins. We drive by them every day because Rome has been around for centuries upon centuries." Yeah, yeah, uh, Edmonton. Not so much. Yeah, there are there are churches in England that are older than our country. Our country, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so, not just not just the founding of our country, but like people having come here. Like, yeah, exactly. From there, I want to specify there were people already here. Yes, you can't discover <laughs> a country that people are already living in. <laughs> they beat you to it. So in in cities that are much older, like <laughs> like Rome, that has continued to be a city, there's a lot of new and old mixed together. Yeah, and. Nick obviously didn't grow up with that because that's not where he's from. There are people living in homes in Fez that I'm sure are older than Edmonton. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. Nick also notices something else on their journey to the uh, library, which is that there are some unusually new stars in the sky. The note I wrote down was, the stars have pull. Yeah. Because he is fascinated by them. Well, and Johnny explains not to pay attention to them because they, they do have that quote-unquote pull. And right, it's they're a little mesmerizing. Just another side effect of the Ancient Ones drawing closer, apparently. They arrive at, a, at the building and quickly discern it's locked up tight. Um, I mean, it's obviously it's a work site, but the double doors just don't move. Johnny's like, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you boost me up to the roof? I'll scrabble about, see if I can find another way in, and then come back and let you in. And Nick is like, whoa, hold on. The weird argument they have about who gets to break into the library. Yeah, uh, because Nick's concerned that Johnny might hurt herself if she goes up on the roof and tries to break in. And he's like, obviously, you're way more important to what's going on than I am. So I should be the one to stick his neck out. And she's like, first of all, 
If you're so useless, why did I bring you along? She's right. Second of all, I'm way quieter than you because <laughs> I am a tiny little person and you are a big trompy person. And Nick is like, hey, now. <laughs> but in the end, as is often the case, uh, Nick relents and boosts her up on the roof. She manages to slip inside actually fairly quickly. Uh, she finds like a skylight or something she's able to get in through. Yeah, she skulks about on the roof a little bit and clatters around a little bit and... Makes her way in. Yeah. Yeah. Far too late for it to make a difference. Nick briefly wonders if there's magic at work in the building, either just to kind of help hide the important secret tomes or, more importantly, perhaps to help protect them. Right. But Johnny's already inside. <laughs> too late now. Uh, she makes her way to the front door and discovers the door isn't so much locked as it is barred. Yeah. Heavily barred. Yeah. Not to be deterred, though, she manages to kind of finagle it loose with a piece of plywood. Because science. They get inside, and Nick quickly begins to get kind of mesmerized by the mosaic work in the building. Well, because it's ancient and fascinating. A little too fascinating, almost. Because <laughs> he keeps his eye keeps like wandering to it, and then he's he's finds himself kind of getting lost yeah. in the patterns. And I touch it. And it's affecting him in a way that it's really not affecting Johnny, because she seems to be largely oblivious to the effect. Uh well, we've also known Johnny to get a little bit of tunnel vision. For sure. Right? So she's not distracted by the pretty? Uh, she notes that her academic foundation has apparently been donating to this restoration as well. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. She's also a little lost because she can't seem to find the room that they're looking for. And she pulls out her notes and begins, like, checking them because she's like, eh, there should be, like, a door around here somewhere. I imagine her, like, grumbling in a corner, flipping through pages. Nick, however, can see the door. Um, he can Lies, kind sorta. of he can see the pattern behind the pattern would be the best way to describe. Yeah, it. he explains and, it like one of those magic eye 3D things. Yeah, where he's he like focuses beyond the mosaic pattern, and he can kind of see the doorway that leads to the secret area. Yeah, he he draws this like interesting looking figure, and Johnny knows what it is. So between the two of them, they figure it out. Johnny's actually pretty impressed, and is like. I couldn't see that. And he's like, yeah, you probably could if you just like. If you squint. If you squinted or crossed your eyes or something. She's like, no, I couldn't see that. That said, they pass through the secret door, down a few more halls, and into the, quote, room of protection, which is what it's explicitly referred to later in the chapter. Nick briefly worries about there maybe being some security on premises, mostly because it is, again, like a secure work site. Well, yeah. So there might be just like a random security guard with his dog. I mean, like, technically they are breaking and entering. They are, they're <laughs> not technically at all. They're explicitly breaking yeah. and entering. So, sorry, overtly breaking and entering. Yeah, Johnny's not too concerned though. She's like, look, it's dark. They're going to have lights. So we'll see them coming. It's not a problem. They hunker down, spend a few hours poring over books. I, I should specify Johnny, Johnny spends a couple yeah. hours poring over say. books. Within about two hours, she's found one of the three pieces of information that she requires. Specifically, she now knows when the conjunction is going to take place. But she still doesn't know what gate is going to open and how to close it. Yes. The problem is, at this juncture, Nick is certain he can hear someone in the building. Yeah, he, he doesn't think he's hearing things. There's something. He's like, hey, we should hit the lights and try to hide for a bit. And Johnny's like, no, no, there's no time for that. Like, I'm on a roll. If I stop now, I'm going to have to, like, start again from scratch. We need to keep going. And Nick's like, all right. So, reluctantly, he picks up basically a, a board with a nail in it <laughs> and decides to split the party. Which, like, his rational brain is like, this is dumb. Like, every horror movie, rule number one is oh, you don't split up. He spends paragraphs 
Kicking himself over this decision. Kicking himself over this, <laughs> being like, don't split up. This always goes wrong in a horror movie. Don't do this. This is dumb. And he does it anyway. The whole time being, this is dumb. I shouldn't do this. Yeah, he's really hoping it's just a cat, even if it's one of the Serati Society's cats. Like, that's pretty harmless and he can shoo it away. Because he thinks he can take on a cat. At the very least, he's pretty sure he can take on a cat. Well, he does have a board with a nail in it. And I mean, even if the Serati Society is just keeping an eye on them, who cares, right? Right. Yeah. Nick lurks around a little bit, doesn't really see anything, and decides, you know what, I shouldn't spend this much time away from Johnny. I should head back. And just when he decides to head back, he spots the intruder. And he immediately recognizes it as the Adidas man who's been stalking them since the Edmonton International Yeah, the guy from the airport. Uh, He doesn't specify it's the Adidas man to later in the chapter, but I caught on that that's who he was talking about. A fight ensues. Nick notes that the man is, like, waxy and gray and kind of gross yeah. like even as he's fighting him very zombie-ish in yeah, a way it makes like monstrous rory hissy kind of noises yeah and when he finally gets the better of him and uh like smacks him in the head with the board and the man goes down like black gray black ooze comes out of him instead yeah, of blood it's it's gross and unnatural it's pretty gross yeah nick rushes back to johnny to see her take down a similarly possessed woman by the time he gets back. And and notes, in fact, she's already taken out an additional guy. Mm-hmm. After Johnny's taken out her two attackers, Nick immediately starts to go into shock. Yeah. Uh, because he thinks that he's he's just killed someone. And Johnny calms him down and is like, listen, those guys were already dead. Don't worry about it. Or at least essentially dead. <laughs> the The two of them go through this fun, well, fun for me to read, cycle of the adrenaline rush. Right. And the little high you get off of that because he's cracking jokes. Nick's singing songs. And then the gravity of what's happening hits him as the adrenaline wears off. Yep. And he crashes. Oh, it crashes hard, too. Right. Johnny says that these she refers to them as thralls are kind of kind of undead. Their life force is fueling. She presumes Drazenoth, likely his agents. Um, And their bodies are basically just animated through ancient one magic at this point. So they they aren't alive as we understand it in any significant way and she's like you did not kill these people Drazenoth killed these people that's was, the situation this person was already it. dead yeah you just put him back to being dead nick also notes that she's been using her prodigy mode probably has been since they arrived to do her research oh yeah well time is of the essence right? and intuits probably correctly that they were drawn to her using that power like a beacon essentially johnny hopes that the loss of these three thralls will be a significant setback for Drazenoth because she's like he's got a lot of balls in the air right now he's contacting the ancient ones he's bringing more magic into the world he's lurking about hopefully like he's doesn't have a lot of time to create more minions and this will derail him for a little while so that we don't have to worry about him Nick asks how exactly are you able to square all this magic stuff with being a scientist and she explains Basically that it's kind of about learning where the science stops and the magic begins, because in that space, you can find out where the scope of the Ancient Ones ends. Sort of where their magic stops and the natural world sort of takes over. Yeah, what right? the what the limits of their abilities are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She also kind of accidentally lays bare the uh, extent of her hubris in a single sentence at this juncture. Okay, so this line is is snuck in there like a little throwaway, just a little piece of dialogue. Um, but, but it caught me like a brick to the face. Yeah. I was like, what? Uh, she says, and this is the direct quote, I had to prove there could be one covenant that didn't go wrong and I can still prove it. 
Yeah, I read that line and I was like, what? Oh, no, Johnny, no. Yeah, because probably every one of the, quote, great men who came before her, who also made this covenant, thought, well, I'm the special one who will be able to outwit them. <sighs> oh, Johnny. But, but of course, they weren't Johnny. She's the special yeah, one who's going to be able to outwit one. them. This is going to end so badly. Or so amazingly. I genuinely don't know. It is hubris, though. Oh, it is. Which means it's probably going to end badly. Yeah. And and it, it lays bare the reason why she's determined to be the one to fix this. Because she's like, no, no. It's on me. Because I have to prove that this is the, the one time it didn't go wrong. Yeah. 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 Johnny sets back to work while Nick collapses in physical and emotional exhaustion. He's not really comforted by the they were already dead speech and still feels pretty awful about everything. Well, a lot of traumatic things have happened to him in the last two days. There's also the rational part of his brain, which is like, even if these were undead monsters who just attacked us, uh, it sure won't look like it when people turn up in the morning and see the scene that we just left. That's true. It will look like murders took place. And I am curious about the kind of physical evidence we just left behind. Also true. Yeah. Um, that is potentially problematic. Because Nick's the kind of person who will consider consequences. Well, and because also he's he's Mr. Pessimist. That's also true. He's, he's focused on the worst case scenario, which is they're about to be now arrested for murders. Probably. He kind of asks her, seriously, wasn't there anyone else who could have done this? Johnny does not answer. And she also doesn't say anything when he just kind of has himself a little cry in the corner for a minute. Well, realistically, that's a hard thing for your average person to go through. Life yeah. isn't an action movie. New. So encountering something like that realistically would be really hard on a person. And especially hard on a person like Nick. And that's basically where chapter 14 ends. Yeah. little action packed, but... Fairly compact as well. Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of touch on the books for a moment. Okay. Uh, because the books and scrolls that Johnny is pouring through are like very magic, like cartoon evil occult tomes <laughs> where they're like screaming at her when she opens them. They're trying to crawl away. Some of them have like ghost faces going out, going, beware. You, you described them as being very Harry Potter-esque earlier that's, when we were chatting about it. Yeah, that's actually where I was kind of going with this. Um... It's not really Lovecraftian. Lovecraft's books aren't um, animate or, like, actively malicious. They're all brown notes, for sure. If you read them, you will be destroyed by them. But it's not the physical books themselves. It's the knowledge contained within that is so deleterious to, uh, to the person who's experiencing them. And these books are actually more physically harmful, potentially. Well, yeah. Um, which, again, tends to lead more towards, like, cartoonish evil tomes, Harry Potter tomes, like, th that kind of, like, Dungeons and Dragons magic tomes, <laughs> as, a, as opposed to something a little more Lovecraftian. Yeah. Just wanted to, uh, to put that out there. Evil tomes are definitely a staple of Lovecraft, but, like, books that need to be chained shut lest they try to bite your fingers off, that's... <laughs> a little less so? That's a little less Lovecraftian, yeah. Uh, there was something I wanted to, to mention... Uh, that I find interesting because I'm not entirely sure what it means. We didn't. We kind of blew past it in the chapter because it wasn't a big deal. Uh, Nick dozes off early on and mm -hmm. has another uh, creepy sleep. Mm -hmm. And I wonder why it is that he dreams in prose. There's something very poetic about his dreams, and I, I, I want to. 
I want to say it means something, but I don't know what. I'm going to posit that that's just a stylistic choice. If it is, it's fantastic. By the author. Uh, I think that Premi Mohammed wanted to really uh, punctuate the surrealness of the of the creepy horror dreams that they're having, the the strange nightmares. Yeah. Um, and to do that, there's there's a purposeful stylistic shift to move it towards more like surreal, dreamy poetry. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. It could be that there's more meaning to it than that. Dare we dip into the Lovecraft box for a moment? Why like not? Like outright? So Lovecraft's kind of uh, main occult tome, the the big most famous one that came from his works, is the Necronomicon. But the Necronomicon is not the original version of itself. It is uh, a translation of a translation of <laughs> an Arabic text called Al-Azif, which was written by a poet. Ah, okay. It is therefore possible that that's also kind of a little throwback all the way to the the very source of this dark mythos knowledge being written by a poet that it's flowery and poetic as opposed to like outright prose couldn't say that that could be part of the influence there as well could be just reaching further into my lovecraft bag for this it's all good yeah you need to be careful scrabbling about in the lovecraft box there's a lot of squamous and (laughs) icky things down there but uh yeah with a flashlight is what we're saying well, just be careful that the box doesn't blink at you when you flash a light into it. After we were just talking about how that doesn't happen in Lovecraft. <laughs> well, it does happen in my Lovecraft box. It doesn't necessarily happen in the books. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, like that's basically what I can speak to the poetry about. It, it could be a throwback to that original thing, or it could just be a stylistic choice. My guess is it's a stylistic choice. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll keep yeah. going and see what happens. The point is, I like it, and I wanted to talk about it for a second. And we did. Yes. Good job, us. We actually probably discuss the structure of a novel less often than we should. No. But we do bring it up when it jumps out at us. I I will say that at the very least. This has jumped out at me. I brought it up. Indeed. We did it. There you go. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, you'll want to read up on chapter 15 in time for next week. Yeah. I genuinely do not know where this book is going to go next. Well, again, we picked it off the shelf in the horror section. I know. So I'm I'm not anticipating a happy ending, but that said, our first novel, Meddling Kids by Edgar Cantero, also a horror novel, also from the horror section, had a happy ending. So it happens. It happens. Horror comedies do exist, and this definitely kind of dips its toe into the horror comedy. <laughs> so Yes. It, I like it. Uh though things seem to be getting more dire as we go. So Of course they are. We're only halfway through. Have to wait and see where things end up. I'm pretty sure things are going to get worse before they get better. At any rate, uh, that's perhaps a conversation for next chapter. Again, you'll want to read up on that. Uh, In the meantime, we mentioned how unbearably hot it is. But fortunately, we here in Edmonton have pretty good utilities. Uh, And one of the ways that you can obtain your utilities is through a third party. And one of those third parties happens to be a supporter of the podcast network. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. 
In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you switch providers, nothing changes about the delivery of these utilities to your home or business. If you have an existing contract, you're going to want to find out the terms before leaving. If you don't, then it's even easier to sign up for Park Power. You, as the consumer, have the choice of who you pay your bills to. Why not choose your friendly local utilities provider? Learn more at parkpower.ca. Park Power. Good people. We've talked about them before. Yeah, support yeah. local, support local charities. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, one local charity. <laughs> that's that's unfair. <laughs> one local organization is, of course, the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, you can find out more about our sponsors, and also you can check out all of our sibling podcasts right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yes. When you find one you like, you can download it on your podcatcher of choice. Probably. Probably also where you're downloading us. You could give us a little rating and review. We'd like that. Very much. We'd like to shower you with thanks on social media. Send us donations so we can buy air conditioning. (laughs) By all means, send us a private donation. (laughs) You can just just send it to our email address. We accept e-transfers at thereadalong at gmail.com. In order to fund our air conditioning fund (laughs) to make our podcasting space... So much more comfortable in the summer. <laughs> got ahead of ourselves and gave you the email address, but we didn't actually tell you where our social media is. Sorry, I got I got excited. Um, you can find us through various social medias. We are on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the Read Along on most of those. And with that said, as always, we love you very much. Stay cool. We'll see you next time. I'm gonna go take a nice bath. I think. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.